0: Good morning to all you following online and in the upper room as well. Uh, We are wrapping up our sermon series on the miracle of mercy. We have been traveling over these weeks leading up to what we call Holy Week. This special time that we set aside is sometimes referred to as Lent. These weeks of preparation where we begin preparing our hearts and our minds really for the week that's in front of us. As we step into even more deeply, even more profoundly, the story of Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, Kind of finishing, capping off next week, of course, with Easter Sunday, And so thank you for walking with me on this journey for, as we study specific, specifically the miracle of mercy. Today we'll be wrapping up with the theme of mercy, but then the rest of the week we'll be diving into those special kind of days. Monday, Thursday is a day where we talk about the supper, how Christ gave us communion, and then, of course, Good Friday has to do with his crucifixion and Easter Sunday. We'd love to have you join us for as much as you are able for those uh, special days. Um, so for this morning, though, wrapping up, Mercy and specifically mercy in relation to lost people the lost now when we say lost people sometimes that that Generates in your mind different images the first thing that I think of when a pastor says lost people Is I think of myself sitting behind the wheel of a car my wife whacking me and saying we're lost That's the first image that I get when I hear the phrase lost people But actually we're going to be talking about lost people in a very different type of way in a much more uh, what we would probably describe as a biblical connotation The Bible talks about and uses that phrase lost lost people. And specifically, uh, we're going to read about it this morning and talk about how God's desire and God's heart is to bring his mercy into the lives of lost people. The best way that I can give give it to you is straight out of the scriptures. I'm just going to read to you this morning a whole chunk of scriptures, uh, starting in Luke 15. We're going to be reading, so if you want to follow along, feel free uh, in an app or in the Bible. Uh, Otherwise, if you just want to close your eyes and drink it in, this is a big chunk of Scripture. And that's because there are actually three parables back to back to back there are three in a row that have to deal with this understanding of lost persons now in in ancient times when you would say things not just once but you would say them twice that's like an emphasis right come on you all do this with your spouse when you're talking and having arguments you don't just say it once you say it more than once right you say it at least twice and if you really want to get your point across you say it three times right am i the only one who does that maybe The upper room is all like, yes, down here we're like, "Uh, I'm not so sure. All right, well, Jesus here is giving it to us three times, trying to bring a measure of emphasis to the importance of the topic at hand. So here you go, starting in Luke chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain because he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it back home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and have not strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and her neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point even further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger told his father, I want my share of the inheritance and estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all his money in wild and extravagant living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine came over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even pods he was feeding the pigs started to look good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home. I will go home to my father, and I shall say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love In compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son started to say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. How many of you have heard at least one of those stories or parables from Jesus before? Okay, many of you, many of you, many of you, yes. These parables seek to convey, seek to give word pictures to God's own heart in relation to people who have wandered and become lost in relation to him. These stories, the reason that he brings three back to back to back, the reason that they're rich, did you know how detailed they were? I mean, rich in detail. These aren't just like quips or little sayings. These are stories, parables, that help convey the depth to which God desires to be reconciled with lost and hurting people. Sometimes people say the Bible is old and and not relevant. I think they're crazy for when you say that. But to help illustrate the point, even so, if a parable from Jesus didn't quite connect with you, let me give you a parallel. Okay, let me tell you another story. I'm going to tell you the story, the parallel of the lost kid. I want you to step back into the 90s with me. There is this beautiful young family in the 90s. And that young family was healthy and fun and vibrant and had good relationship. And as part of what it meant to be family, that young family liked to celebrate and enjoy outings and do things together. And just as today is Palm Sunday, and on Palm Sunday long ago, Christ paraded into Jerusalem on a donkey, this young family would love to attend parades as well. Parades are fun, right? I mean, Come on, parades are cool. There's like music and noise and excitement. And if you're a kid, there's candy. Right? I mean, that's the way these things work. So you want to go to that parade. So back in the 90s, there was one particular young family that went to a July 4th parade. And there they are carrying their plaid folding chairs. You all know the ones I'm talking about? You got them hanging in the garage right now? Yeah, the plaid ones that are like silver. And they would put them out. And they would sit as a family, and they would watch and enjoy the parade, the 4th of July parade with the music and the noise, and did I mention the candy? The parade is going by. It's a marvelous July 4th celebration. And as the parade is just concluding, as the parade is finishing up, as its last kind of floats are going by... The, the family starts to collect their things and get ready to leave. So, okay, kids, come on, get your stuff, grab your, you know, grab your little baggies, get your candy, get your folding chairs. And so the family starts to do so, starts to get up. And in the middle son, the, the handsome devil right there, in, in this experience, looks out and notices there's still more candy to be had. And so even though his family has begun the process of packing up, gathering your things, he notices the candy, and it calls to him. It, it woos him. The biblical word for this is temptation. It tempts him. And so, in his broken nature, rather than listening and, and staying close to his family... He figured he could be really quick if he went off and quick snatched up that candy. And so the young boy walks away from the safety and security of his family, goes off into the crowd, headed towards that piece of candy lying in the street. The little boy finds the piece of candy, and in that moment, clutching his victorious piece of candy the significance of his decision starts to sink in. How true. How often do we make a decision, going after something we want, and then only later do we realize the significant nature of that decision, that that decision sometimes removes us from the safety, the security, and the love and the affection of those around us. This little boy had put distance between him and his parents. He had put distance because he had chased after that thing he thought he wanted. And now he's standing there holding the piece of candy and realizing, Oh my gosh, the only thing that I want in this world is to be back with mom and dad. But where are they? I don't see them. I'm only this tall. Everybody else is this tall. The little boy gets confused. The little boy starts feeling nervous. The little boy starts looking around, and he can't find mom and dad, and so he begins to wander even more, going off into the crowd, looking, confused, direction, totally gone. He gets worse and worse, more and more confused, more and more lost to a point where he does what every young boy does in that moment. When he is lost, he sat his butt down on the curb, and he began to cry. Little boy began to cry because his one foolish decision had taken him so far from his mom and dad. And he was lost and he was confused and he was hurting and he was alone and he was scared. And he had no hope. Where were mom and dad? I can't find them. Now mom and dad, as you can imagine, noticing that one of their children are missing, they too start feeling confused and scared. In a very short time, mom is ready to call out the National Guard, and dad has methodically walked up and down and interviewed every person within a block. Where's my son? Where's my child? Where could they be? Where have they gone? Where have they wandered off to? Can you imagine the measure of those parents' hearts in that moment? The desperation of of desire to be reunited and to bring that child back to where the child belongs in relationship, in, in, in security, in safety, in joy and in satisfaction with relation to the family. And yet the boy has wandered off. Can you imagine the parent's heart in that moment? Where is my son? And the depth of longing to be reunited with him. Now as the story would go, there was a man walking by that little boy sitting on the curb crying. The man noticed the young boy and approached the young boy. And upon pr- approaching the young boy, actually realized he knew that young boy. He knew that boy and his family and the parents. And in knowing that young boy and in knowing the parents, he knew the parents' heart to be reconciled to the child. And he knew the young boy certainly needed it. And so he approached the young boy. He got down close and he said, Andrew, I'm Ted. Okay. I'm a friend of your parents. Let's go find them together. So he took my hand and he began walking me back towards where my parents were. He knew my parents. He'd even seen them earlier in the day. He had a general idea of where they would be. And so they started walking back, and sure enough, Dad, doing his rounds, found us, me and Ted. I am still very grateful for Ted to this day. Upon coming back, upon Ted bringing and holding the hand of this young boy and bringing him back to his parents... There was much joy, much relief, much celebration. I mean, the the little boy had gone off chasing a piece of candy, as if the parents never gave him candy anyways. And yet the joy and the satisfaction in what took place when the two were reconciled and brought back together, parents weren't mad. They weren't angry with the little boy. They loved him. They have compassion for him. And they were overjoyed that once again they knew their little boy and where he was and their little boy knew them and where they were. There was joy and celebration much akin to a woman finding a lost coin or a shepherd finding the sheep or a prodigal son coming home. And what's amazing about it is not only was there joy and excitement from the parents, not only was there joy and excitement from the child, but even Ted. Ted got to participate in that same joy and that same excitement. He got to be a part of it and witness it. And then the parents were so grateful to him that he had helped bring the child home. I share that story with you and I read to you these parables so that you can better understand and know what is real and happening in our world and what the heart of our God truly is. You see, there are a lot of lost, lonely, hurting, crying people sitting on curbs waiting Hoping, wondering, what do I do now? I tried to find meaning. I tried to find hope in other places. I went after the candy. I went after the the fill-in-the-blank. And it is taking me far, far away from the joy and the satisfaction of knowing an eternal and gracious God. And it is God's heart. It is God's mission in this world. The fancy term is Missio Dei, God's mission. It is God's mission to be reunited, to reconcile, to pull back unto Himself, to be joined once again to those hurting, lost, broken, sad people His children, His sons, and His daughters who are crying who need him god is desperate to reunite with those whom he so desperately loves this is true for you that god has reconciled you unto himself he loves you. He forgives you. He enjoys your company. And He wants what's best for you in your life. And he, he, he has not only you as part of His family, but He wants more of His children to know the same satisfaction that you have experienced in coming to know Him. He wants more children out there sitting and crying to experience the joy that you have experienced in knowing God loves you and forgives you. The Bible says it in, a, in all over the place, a bunch of different places. Here are two quick examples, very succinct. Talking, uh, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved, rescued, reconciled, brought back to himself, and to understand the truth of his love and grace his mercy see it also here in second Peter the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think some people get worked up because it's like where is God how come he hasn't come back yet what is going on here the Bible says my gosh no 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 God is being patient for your sake and for the sake of others who have yet to know His love, His grace, and mercy, and to be brought back into the fold of His family. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Repent means to turn back. As we are walking away, as we are chasing after the piece of candy, He wants people to stop, turn around, and be brought back unto Himself. It is God's heart and God's mission. To reconcile and bring His mercy and love into the lives of lost people. We as Christ Church, as a church community and as a fellowship of believers, seek to emulate and be like Christ. We seek to be the people God wants to be. And since that is God's mission in the world, it is also our invitation to participate in His mission. It is our mission now. As it is God's mission, so too for us. We have the privilege of being Ted. You get to be Ted. Who walks by and notices a hurting person and draws close to them and invites them to to, to walk with you so as to find what they truly need, find the God whom they need. It is our responsibility, it is our joy to work towards becoming a place and a people who follow after Christ and partner with Him in His divine hope and mission. We say it a little bit different, but it's the same heartbeat We are a church body that elevates Christ, that lifts lives, that picks them up off the ground and brings them to a place where they can know and experience and be reconciled to God. That's why we're a place for those who aren't here yet. Because there are people out there sitting and crying and hurting. And they need to be reconciled to their loving, merciful God. And he is desperate to do so. The way this happens is in a couple different fashions, but more specifically the way, the how behind this reconciliation, our role in this, as the Teds, our role happens both personally and corporately, and it happens both through attraction and incarnation. What do I mean by that? Personally, you will have personal opportunities to attract people into your life as you begin to live like christ live according to his principles christ says you are the light of the world you are the salt of the earth people will notice you and notice the difference that your life makes and they will come to you and say what makes you different what makes you tick how can you have hope in that situation how can you have joy in that situation how can you have that perspective even now and that provides an opportunity for you to begin walking with them back to the living God pointing them to the living God this happens corporately as we attract people by the way that we as a community work live and serve one another by the way we interact with one another the way the atrium feels do you feel the joy and the hope I do every Sunday I walk in here I love spending time with you because I know that it begins to embody the kingdom of heaven and others out there will be attracted They will want to be a part of that kingdom too. And so we continue as a church body to exhibit that as well. We attract people not because of ourselves, but because of Christ in and through us. Just as we attract people, so too we are sent out to people. We are sent to go to people personally, your coworkers, your family members, your relationships. Open up your cell phone and start looking and praying and thinking about who are the broken, hurting, lost people that you have the opportunity to speak into their lives, to take them by the hand and say, Hey, let me tell you more about the God who's made a difference in my life. Let me tell you a God story of what God's done in and through me. We do this corporately as well. We don't just sit around here hanging out. I'm sending you out as a pastor of this church. I am sending you, empowering you to step out into the lives of other people as representatives of Christ's church and as representatives of the kingdom of heaven, as ambassadors, as the scriptures would say, of Christ himself. You are being sent out to engage with broken and hurting people. My goodness, do you know what next Sunday is? What's next Sunday? It's Easter. You know what that means? Oh, people be begging and waiting and hoping that you're going to ask them to come to Easter. There are hurting people out there that are wanting you to extend the invitation in a non-awkward way of just saying, Hey, next week's Easter. You got plans? Come to church? You want to come with me? I'll pick you up. We can have coffee and hang out in the upstairs. Weirded out by being there in person? My gosh, we've got like this balcony thing. We've got this online thing. But it's Easter. You should totally reconnect with the church because it's Easter. I am sending you out. We are sending you out as a church body. Those sitting beside you are sending you out to engage with hurting people and extend the invitation to be a part of what God is doing here at Christ Church. The reason and the way in which this works on an even more one more step practically is that you in those opportunities will get chances to tell people about God. What God has done in your life and what God has done in the lives of others. And then you simply invite them into spaces where they're going to hear more God's stories. Like that's basically what we do at church. We talk about the God story. And you get to hear the stories of those around you. That's why the atrium is so important. That's why we're building an even bigger atrium. It's because that is where God's work is shared and the stories are shared about God's activity in this world. Let me summarize summarize it like this. This is how we are to know and understand. There's one thing I would hope that you would get from this entire sermon series. It's captured here. That bringing God's mercy, His love, His grace, His compassion, and the story of His sacrifice into the lives of lost and hurting people, that is our, your, God's mission. In doing that, you will begin to witness the true miracle of mercy When a divine and holy God is brought together with his children, the miracle of mercy happens when someone turns their life over to Christ, fully consumed by his love, and says, Wow, (laughs) thank you for bringing me back to the God that I always needed. I want to encourage you, this is Easter week and even beyond Easter week. See and look for how you can bring mercy, God's mercy, into the lives of the lost. Let's close with prayer. Gracious God, we give thanks that you have reconciled with us, that in your compassion and in your love, In your desire, so deep and so desperate, you would send your Son into this world, the person of Christ, to reconcile us unto yourself, to bring us back home, to rescue us, lost sheep. Forgive us for when we chase after the candy, the moments in our lives that take us away from you, and instead always call us back. We ask that you would give us now boldness and courage to step into the lives of others who are lost and wandering to take them by the hand and bring them back unto you, to share our God stories of what you've done in our lives, the lives of those around us. Give us the courage and the words to invite someone, to step into spaces and places where they too can experience more of your stories. Gracious God, give us the privilege of being a part of and witnessing the miracle of your mercy made real in the lives of hurting lost people. We ask this because we ourselves have experienced it. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now that first Palm Sunday was a bit of a a lots of joy and lots of celebration. You notice that the parables always end with joy and celebration. The parallel story of the lost kid ended with some joy and celebration as God's mercy is made real as people begin to...